on today's episode of Comic Movie Masterlist from Hit the Books Podcast. We're reviewing Vault of Horror, Ooh. circa 1973. Stay tuned! Hello and welcome to another episode of Comic Movie Masterlist from Hit the Books Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be reviewing and going over the 1973 title, Vault of Horror, based (gasps) on the EC Comics title of the same name. However, not based (laughs) on any of the stories from that comic. It's actually based on stories from Tales from the Crypt. For more information on how this thing got produced, you can definitely reference our previous episode, given that the previous movie and this movie are very much intertwined in their production. Yes, yeah, so a lot of commonalities between the films. Uh, the first movie in this series of comic book-based horror films um, was Tales from the Crypt. Circa 1972. Again, check out our previous episode if you want to look into that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot to get into. We'll go over it throughout the review. But before we jump into that, I want to thank you all for listening, watching, and uh, joining us once again. Remember, you can always find us on htbvids.com. We have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash hit the books. If you'd like to contribute, you can reach out to us on Twitter at htbvids. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hit the books. And, of course, you can always check us out on YouTube, on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Podbean, and many other platforms of your choosing, if you so wish. If there's a platform out there other than SoundCloud that you would like to see us on, let us know, and we'll try our best to get on there. All right. So, without further ado, let's jump into this episode of Comic Movie Master List. I don't think we're as hot on this one as uh, the previous review, which was Vault of Horror, despite mm. having a lot of the same production, a lot of similar actors and actresses. Yeah, there is, and I can't tell exactly what it is that uh, we... In pinpointing the thing that would grade, that would make us grade this movie so much less favorably than the first one. There is seemingly a litany of problems that this movie continuously runs into, consistency being not the least among them. (laughs) Yeah, so you can expect in any of these movies that you're going to have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. This one is just illogical (laughs) for a lot of the film. Um before we get into all that, we should give a kind of a history of the production of the film just to introduce people to Vault of Horror. Um, so it's based on the EC Comics uh, book. Again, we go much deeper into this in the previous episode because there's a lot of common history here. Um, so definitely check out Tales from the Crypt, which is a better movie. Yeah, much better movie. <laughs> uh, and check out that review because uh, we do get very far into the weeds on that about uh, the history of the production, the history of how they got the rights to produce this and how they use the name. 
So uh, Vault of Horror actually has more stories based on Tales from the Crypt than Tales from the Crypt did, yeah. ironically. <laughs> um, Almost entirely. <laughs> which is funny because they used the property's name to launch the previous movie. In some territories, this film, Vault of Horror, was actually called Tales from the Crypt 2 instead of Vault of Horror. Um, it was also called a few other names, Further Tales from the Crypt um, as well. Just depending on which market you were in and what decade you were in and what re-release of the production it was. They were um, really trying to get this movie out there. <laughs> yep. And this is based uh, on a series of horror films that were created by Amicus Productions somewhat, you know, productively, somewhat uh, positively, somewhat successfully. Um, they produced a lot of smaller budget uh, horror films, and they all kind of followed the same archetype where there would be a group of people brought together for some mysterious reason, and then they would all go into tales of woe yeah. <laughs> based on different horror aspects or sci-fi tropes or whatever the case was. And that tended to be the the script outline for just about every one of their movies. Um for Vault of Horror and Tales from the Crypt, they use stories directly from the different EC properties. EC Comics at the time being pr- completely defunct outside of Mad Magazine. Yeah. Uh, again, we go into this much further on the, the previous episode of Comic Movie Master List. But long story short, EC Comics was kind of the edgier... Uh, pushing the boundaries of what comics could be, especially towards mature audience, not necessarily because of nudity or something like that, more because of the horror aspect, and they wanted to scare you a little bit. Yeah. You know, tales... (laughs) Like Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypt. Like, these were tales originally meant to be like imagine uh scary ghost stories that you've heard around the campfire or scary stories that you've probably seen on television just put into comic book form yeah and so they really resisted a lot of the um comic book code authorities power as they were trying to because of a very conservative mccarthyism that had swept through the united states and continued to sweep through the United States, put them very much at odds, and basically the comic book authority more or less put them out of business. Um, and it, it went as deep as not allowing them to print a black astronaut <laughs> in one of their books, and that being the last book that they ever got to publish with the approval of the comic book authority. Yeah. So it wasn't just you know that there was horror aspects. It's that even when they transitioned to more of a you know a fun sci-fi outlook, they were still getting shot down by the comic book authority because of racial reasons. You know, which is. Not surprising when you think about the United States and its history and its delicate history with the subject of racism. Especially given the time period under which this was happening. Yeah, and this was happening in the 1950s uh, for EC Comics. And so basically... That that predates the civil rights movement by at least a few years. Yeah, yeah. And so basically what happened is everything except for Mad Magazine went defunct. They couldn't really print anything or publish anything because no publisher would pick them up without the approval of the Comic Code Authority in the United States, which, as we discussed, had uh, different priorities than necessarily uh, what they had. Yeah. Um, 
So obviously this caused a lot of issues, a lot of strife. So again, it's a long convoluted history uh, of the unfortunate demise due to rising, you know, anti-mature establishment that uh, were, again, think about the children. Uh, yeah. And their, and their mantras. And apparently the children can't see anything that is scary or suspenseful or intense in any way, shape, or form, and that includes black people, so. Right, because what could be scarier than letting a black man go into space? Yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) So, uh, pretty gross. If you want to put your conspiratorial hat on, you know, some people think it was basically the big wigs, you know, the Marvels, the DCs of the world, basically pressuring the comic code authority to do anything and everything it could to make these other companies go out of business so they could a scoop them up and buy them which you know dc now owns a lot of these properties uh and (laughs) uh you know if you know dc's history they were pretty cutthroat and vicious when it came to competitors so um it's it's not necessarily out of this world to think that maybe there's even more to it than we think. That's even more gross than we think. Um, but nonetheless, we're not here for that. We're here for Vault of Horror. Yeah, you guys can see my tinfoil hat under my beanie later. So again, this was made by Amicus Productions, which was known for making these uh, sequenced horror films and they just happened to acquire the rights because they really loved the properties in the 50s and 40s of tales from the crypt and vault of horror and uh shock suspense stories all from ec comics and then they produced them into a couple films that they could credit to themselves of course so uh this movie is not directed by the same people as tales from the crypt this one was directed by roy ward baker um unfortunately i don't think he was really cut out for the job it seems far less competently directed in my opinion than the previous movie which was directed by freddie francis despite coming a year later um you know you can kind of blame the writer maybe but i feel like they just pulled worst stories to, yeah. to use from at, the canons. At the core of this and why we don't like this one nearly as much as the the previous one, Tales from the Crypt, the stories that they pulled were so goddamn goofy. <laughs> it's like it, There are so many questions that one would have to ask under the assumption that much like the the stories from the original Tales from the Crypt, if we're going off of the premise that all of these people are telling these stories as though they had really happened to them, huge questions about the world that they live in like would have to come up. Yeah, it's, it's like just... From the very first story, like... All the way down. Well, two of these stories are very much believable to the point where I think I was siding with the the person who was committing the act <laughs> for one of them. Uh, the, the other stories, though, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> 
so it's it's a mess you know I, before we get into spoilers i think it's clear you know would you recommend people go watch this if they have their spare time absolutely not yeah i wouldn't either so <laughs> this, if you want to watch it just so you know what we're talking about for the rest of this review you know spoiler warning I, I don't think it's worth it otherwise. Uh, yeah, the, this is a movie that you should only ever watch with your friends while you're drunk <laughs> in an attempt to MST3K this movie because it's so goddamn easy to do. Yeah, if you want to laugh at it, yeah, go ahead. Right. Get drunk, get high, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> if Have a giggle or two. If you're looking for actual like gripping entertainment, this ain't it. <laughs> no. Uh, so, not unsurprisingly, the reception was much less positive for this film as it was for Tales from the Crypt, its sister movie, and uh, I think there's good reason for that. Um, it's it's rough. It's just rough, and it is the most 70s movie I think we've watched ever. <laughs> just everything oozes stereotypes from the 70s and... Well, now you see where those stereotypes come from. Oh, uh, yeah. This is definitely a product of the time period. What a terrible decade. Yeah. <laughs> There's some good music, I guess, but fuck, what a terrible decade. <laughs> the fashion's horrible. The behavior's horrible. The, the outfit's horrible. The, the, the facial hair is horrible. Everything is horrible. <laughs> Literally, the only thing anyone should want from that decade is the music. Ugh. And not the music in this movie. Mm-mm. That's not good. Mm-mm. So we jump into it. There's five businessmen, I assume. I think this is the one thing that's better in this movie than it is in Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt opens with this long, drawn-out <laughs> organ solo that goes on for fucking ever. This movie takes a little bit of time to get going, but at least it's going. <laughs> and you don't have this blaring organ music, you know? So it was... In that it, respect, it's easier to get into if right, you're not fast forwarding. Right. This, this, I will say that it definitely lent to the aesthetic after about five minutes. It's like the first starting out. It's like what? Okay, I, I've heard this track before, and it's associated with some deep, heavy, dark shit, probably Phantom of the Opera, and here we go. But then, like, after about four minutes of listening to this guy, like, just shred the fucking keys on the organ. And it's like, okay, get to the point. Get get to the point. For the love of God, get to the point! awful. (laughs) Fucking awful. And then they end the movie that way, too. It's fucking brutal. This movie has the good sense to let's let's much more quickly get to get all of these people in the spot where we are setting up these stories. Yeah. So uh, one notable change is that the Tales from the Crypt movie had a crypt keeper that kind of centered everything and guided everything. Right. I think that's one of the big weaknesses of this film is that there's nobody to guide things. It's just the people. (laughs) Yeah, it's like they're kind of meandering towards going into this central room where we're all just 
we're we're all just gonna sit down and share with each other these experiences that we're not really sure if these things really happened or not, but I mean, since we're here and there's booze. <laughs> yeah. So it's that is the first moment where you're like, oh, maybe this isn't gonna be as coherent as I'd hoped. Mm. Whereas the Crypt Keeper in the last movie really centered everything, gave it a focus, and he was kind of guiding you to each interaction and each story. Yeah, he he was much more clearly the, why are we here? Why are we talking about any of this at all with people we've just met? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it introduces uh, quite a few stars. We got Dave, Daniel Massey. We got Anna Massey. Uh, I'm sorry. These are the character names. <laughs> Uh no, th- those are the oh, the right. actors. Are they wife and husband and wife? All right. Yeah. All right. That's a interesting twist. So we have a or or the or they're actually related. <laughs> yeah, we have Daniel Massey, we have Anna Massey, Mike Pratt, Eric Chitty, Jared Wells, Terry Thomas, uh, Glynis Johns. That's a strange name. Glynis Johns. Uh, Marion Stone, John Forbes, Robertson, Kurd, and Jurgens. Jurgens. Uh, Don Adams, Jasmina Hilton, Ishak Bucks, Michael Craig, not the Michael Craig, <laughs> <laughs> a Michael Craig, and Edward Judd. So, um, you know, a solid cast of British uh, filmmakers and actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, again, more surprising that the film is pretty much terrible. Okay, let's jump into it. So, uh, the gentlemen all kind of culminate into this elevator and this anonymous, I assume, business building. And they're going to the bottom floor, and the the elevator stops, and so they press the button below the, the floor they want to go to. I don't know who would ever do that, <laughs> but they did it, and it worked. And it opens up into this little poker table bar room setting with decanters and whatnot all over the table. Yeah, and you, they decide to invite themselves in and pop a squat. And then you, the elevator doors close. There's no button to go back up, and they don't know what the fuck to do. So in a very British sort of way, they say, oh, somebody will come in good time, <laughs> and you, uh, sit down and drink. This is quite possibly the most posh approach to like how do we get uh <laughs> the modern british man to sit in a room with a bunch of other modern british men and talk about how they fucked up yeah you can kind <laughs> of see why <laughs> why these people had to resort to dark magic and other sorts of things <laughs> in order to God. achieve their objectives oh. because they were clearly not problem solvers <laughs> no in any not way, shape, at or all form. <laughs> um these people crossed me once i will resort to the dark arts <laughs> how dare they I would like to purchase a voodoo. <laughs> so terrible. Uh, oh, that one killed me. It's awful. It was so stupid. Okay, so we jump into the first story. And this is from Tales from the Crypt number 35. Um, a man named Harold Rogers is tracking his sister Donna. And 
he has paid in a private investigator to hunt her down. He found her and asked for his money. And then as he's trying to walk out the door, he chokes the hippie uh, <laughs> with a necktie. So he chokes this poor hippie to death with a necktie who just found his sister for him so that he could take his money back because he wants his money. It was a very, very deadly ascot. I mean, of all the characters, he's probably the worst, right? You know, Tales from the Crypt had uh, okay. a point to he, them being might, the worst. He but... might be the worst to you, but the person, like, right after him... <laughs> He's definitely the most infuriating. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> Good fucking... I have never... You know, we're... Can't not going to jump the gun. Can't not, spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's deal with uh, asshole number one first. And uh, before I forget, I do post these links where you can watch the, this movie for free on our social medias. So go look at those. You know, don't rat them out, you know, because yeah. nobody yeah. can enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but these movies are hard to find. You know, they're old British films. So um, go and check those out if you want to join us in the discussion. They're on our social media. They're in the links section and the descriptions of the podcast and YouTube channel. So uh, that's true for all of the ones we've done so far. I haven't found one yet that I couldn't find a, a free link for our audience. So be sure to check that out. All right. Um, so we jump into this. He kills the hippie and he goes out to this village. Uh, he, the the hippie did mention that the village was very strange and that he felt like he shouldn't be there. And sure enough, he tried not to be there uh, by dying. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this gentleman, Harold Rogers, goes to this village. He goes to a restaurant. The, he notices everything is closing just before dark. The restaurant says, I'm sorry, sir. We can't serve you. We are closing for the night before they come. And they're all using this term, they, although they're being very vague and not specific. And the guys, you know, doesn't understand, but he leaves after raising a little bit of a fuss. He goes to his sister's place, invites himself in. She's very hesitant because, again, Everybody locks their doors and hides until, you know, after nightfall. And then she uh, invites him in when she looks at him and sees that it is, in fact, her brother. This is where he walks into her house and it is very ominous and then pulls a knife and stabs her to death. Really wanted that inheritance. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> after all of the warning signs of people saying, you know, don't go out at night. And then stabbing your sister to death in her home, where she clearly lives alone, mm-hmm. and is clearly trying to hide from you, mm-hmm. <laughs> he decides to go out again. It's probably the, the biggest big brain move of the night. <laughs> hey, and don't don't go out at night. People are dying. People are going missing. Gah, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes out. And goes back to the fucking restaurant that just the closed. The same restaurant. <laughs> and it's like, I, you know, it was kind of weird that they were closing. I'm going to check again because, yeah. you know what? Why not? <laughs> I'm already in town. So he goes into the restaurant. And it's filled with people. And a new waiter is there. And so he sits down. The waiter says, hey, we got all of these different things. You know, we got roast and blah, blah, blah. Uh, with a starting drink and dessert and blah, 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 full course meal. And he goes, that sounds good. You know, let's do it. And so he's starting to pick up on little hints. If you look around the room, you're seeing little you know, wine glasses with some kind of red liquid, of course. And then the waiter brings out a very thick red liquid and he drinks it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what he thinks it is. You know. <laughs> this is like, is this, 
is this tomato? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so, is this some sort of tomato drink that tastes a little off? So he hmm. drinks a little from the glass and thinks it's a little strange, but doesn't say anything about it. Then the waiter brings out a soup, and it, again, just the red liquid. He drinks it, says, this is a little strange, uh, you know. Is there something strange about this soup? I, I, uh, uh, sure, sir, are you sure you gave me the right one? <laughs> <laughs> and then the waiter um, asks him how he would like his roast, and he names off, you know, rare, medium rare, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he goes, you know, what meat is that? Or I can't remember the exact line. Yeah. So he asks a question, and... The waiter says, oh, it's blood clots. Blood clots, sir. Do you want your blood clots rare, medium rare, blah, blah, blah. And he spits out the soup he's been drinking. And then the waiter, very just unrushed, (laughs) walks up and pulls an apron open that has a mirror. (laughs) And in the mirror, you can see that he's the only one with a reflection. And so everybody comes at him. Suddenly fangs start appearing. These long, really ridiculous fangs. <laughs> Vampires! <laughs> and uh, they basically crowd around him and hang him from the ceiling and shove a bar tap into his <laughs> neck <laughs> and serve up drinks to the patrons <laughs> on tap. His sister arrives <laughs> and His shows freshly him. stabbed sister. Yeah, and shows him the knife that he had used to stab her. And uh, she enjoys a nice glass of his blood. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, a couple of things. (laughs) You mean to tell me (laughs) that this this guy who, who just, you know, happened to be this concerned about receiving the inheritance over his sister is killed by way of vampires 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 yes like we, okay so are we saying that in his world vampires are real yes <laughs> vampires are real no one else knows about this People, well, the hippie probably knew. The, the, it's too late for the hippie. The, the, the hippie probably knew. God, oh my God. <laughs> it, it would be one thing if we had in any other way, shape, or form this much thoroughly established the supernatural in the previous movie. I mean, we, we did. Uh, okay, we had kind there of done that. Uh, okay, we had kind People of... coming back from the dead. Uh, okay. That theoretically was a dream that he had where he ended up killing himself in the same way in his dream anyway. I will accept he that... He was the... murdered by a zombie, an old pedophile zombie. <laughs> <laughs> How's that not supernatural? <laughs> Uh, uh, okay. Okay. A, a literal pit to hell. <laughs> <laughs> How much more supernatural do you got to get? 
vampires, though. It was very campy. <laughs> it was very silly and very campy. It's like, okay, a, a vengeful revenant coming back from the dead and pulling someone's heart out just so that I could ins- assume that they would go straight back to the dead. Sure. A monkey's paw to fuck up the life of probably the least lucky person in the world. He did not deserve that. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. Life isn't fair. Fuck. <laughs> really isn't fair. Yeah, no, not at he all. He got the worst fate of all of them. Yeah, he did. That man was so unlucky. He should have been in this movie. Yeah, he wouldn't he... have gone to hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> he just had to retell his story. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. That's way better. Yeah. Um, Drink some... Drink some liquor and hang out with your buds? <laughs> Why not? It's like, yeah, let me tell you about the time that I was tortured in life by being revived from the dead while having embalming fluid in my veins. Because of my stupid wife. <laughs> because of my stupid fucking wife. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then she hacked me to pieces. <laughs> with a katana like a fucking weeb. Oh, boy. <laughs> Definitely watch that other movie. Uh, definitely watch, watch Tales from the Crypt. For the love of God, watch it's that awesome. one. <laughs> but this, not this one. <laughs> this one, uh, we very campily reveal that he's the only human in the room by like a huge fucking mirror. Yeah. Is that our like the That's way? The that, only way we could figure it out is that how we test our patrons when we <laughs> have people come in here? And why wouldn't you just have it open the whole time? Right. Then you can figure it out immediately. As opposed so, to like, what's he gonna do? Run? <laughs> oh, you see, we prefer the big reveal at the end. <laughs> uh, drama, I guess. So yes, it, yeah, that story was campy and it sucked. Uh, okay, biggest draw from that whole thing that fucking killed me was the walk back to the restaurant yeah, you go back they closed it, they told you they were closed it's not even the why it's the making me watch the camera stay on him for five fucking minutes walking from his house <laughs> all the way to the restaurant that was a single shot yeah it was <laughs> we ridiculous d- we did not need to see him walk the whole goddamn way yeah like him getting out and then cut to him getting to the door. That's all we needed. <laughs> like, the fucking editor standpoint, that just it fucking dried me nuts. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> so then we are on to the next story. This one based on the first issue of Shock Suspend Stories. It's called The Neat Job. And this one is by far the most infuriating character Despite not being necessarily a bad individual, (laughs) he didn't do anything really wrong to deserve his fate, other than be super annoying. (laughs) Watching this vignette reminded me of my time working for Chipotle. And by reminded, I mean having damn near PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> Customer service flashbacks. It's like when I heard the words a uh, place for everything and everything in its place, it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I forgot to put the salt back. I forgot to put the fucking avocados back in the fucking freezer. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> Don't you dare put me through that. <laughs> so this one's called The Neat Job. Oh. And it focuses on uh, the character Arthur, whose 
extremely obsessively OCD and a neat freak. He wants everything exactly where he put it. He wants everything accounted for. He has a running list inside of his cabinets of what should be there and what is in stock and what is not. And there's little check boxes for each one. And he has a wife. <laughs> Surprisingly. Who they describe as a young trophy wife, even though she looks about the same fucking age. Yeah, it, roughly. Um, God. But uh, basically, he expects her to be the housekeeper and to do nothing that will put his stuff out of sorts, you know. He notices every little thing. If the furniture moves, he notices it. If things aren't put away, he notices it. If there's not enough food in the cupboard, he notices it. And he, he seems to have good intentions most of the time. He, you know, he's firm and very kind of controlling, but he's he tries to be sweet about it and like he guides her like a child even though clearly now she acts like fucking Mr. Magoo and just destroys everything especially towards the end of this vignette like but, the magooness yeah. gets up to 11 this like imagine a day in which not just one thing goes wrong everything goes wrong <laughs> Yeah, so it builds up and builds up. There's clearly a lot of tension. You know, uh, the night before the incident of the horror, I I guess you call it horror, she uh, sees him get home. He's very happy with her, and he decides he's going to cook her a nice dinner. And she sits in the living room while he starts to cook the dinner, and then he discovers that she hasn't been checking off the groceries as as she's been using them to cook, and blah, 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 and is infuriated and yells at her in the kitchen, and that seems to be what's going to trigger the most paranoia in the last straw. The The following day, you know, everything's perfect, she's done everything right, and he's very happy with her, and he goes off to work saying he'll be back at six. This is when she goes out and does her own thing, hanging out as a housewife. And then at 5.30, she realizes, oh, she's running out of time. He's going to be home soon. I need to clean everything up. And this is where she becomes Mr. Magoo and just (laughs) destroys the entire house in the most ridiculous way possible. You know, it starts out with not using a coaster, so there's a moisture ring on the table. And instead Mm -hmm. of just wiping off the moisture like a normal human being, she has to run down into the studio to get this wood polish to run back up there and polish the table, and then she spills it on the floor. She tries to sop it up, but she can't, so she hides it with the rug. And then she, as she's going back to uh, put the polish back in the workshop, she knocks over this bar thing that has, I don't know, just whatever crap they happen to be putting in their bar drinks, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. Um it's kind of grainy. It's hard the, to tell. Th- this lady was like a walking Rube Goldberg machine where it's like she would fuck up one thing and that would make her fuck up another thing and then that would make her fuck up another thing and then that would make her fuck up another thing. Yeah. And it's just, just like a never-ending string of fuck-ups all the way up until he gets home. Yeah, and this is where I knew exactly <laughs> I knew exactly where this is going when she started fucking everything up. And uh-huh. I, I called it. Did I not call it? Uh I, I think we kinda both called it. Yeah. And, and uh, honestly, I 
I identify with the woman. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, but that, the woman isn't the one that's here. It, uh, the guy that did not kill anybody is right. the one that's in the, the, the vault condemned to sharing his evil story, apparently. Yeah, no, he just spent he was, all of his time driving he, this lady insane with his sense of order. He had a mental disorder. He did. Doesn't he mean did. he needs the, to be condemned for the rest of his life. The, the, his OCD. His wife killed him. His wife killed him because not only did he not recognize that he has obsessive compulsive disorder, she... Actually, instead of leaving this guy, which should have been anyone's response to being within this guy's like general vicinity for like more than ten minutes at a time, yeah, is like you're married. It's like we're we're not into divorce. Just like I'm trying to do everything good. I just I keep trying and I keep fucking up. And oh my god, he's here and he's going to do nothing but yell at me and fuck you. That is what. That vignette was. That yeah. was. Uh, and she, uh, she smashes his head in with a hammer. It, and yes. then she cuts him nice and neat <laughs> into an orderly, organized group of jars containing all of his organs, including, quote, odds and ends. <laughs> Which you can probably guess what that is. His dick. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be real here. I like how they, they went down the list of organs <laughs> and just stopped on that one and zoomed in. Like, you know what you think yeah. is in there. We know what this director was doing. Yeah, this, that one, there, there's a part of me that wants to give points back to this movie for making me feel like I was experiencing some horror <laughs> vicariously through like this woman being driven to her fucking break- breaking point because that that's what the story is one person driving another person insane <laughs> over the course of what Three days. <laughs> it took three days uh, for okay. her to want to murder him. Uh, okay, three days that we got to see. It is not specified at any point during the story how long they've been married, how many times she's fucked up that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it can it can be assumed that. I mean, things are all right for a little while at least. You do actually get to see her succeed once. <laughs> and yeah. and he it does was a act- good day. Yeah, there was a good day. Until she went full Mr. Magoo. Uh, until she went full fucking Mr. Magoo. And there's no telling over the course of the life of that couple how many times the Mr. Magoo incident fucking happened. I, I mean, honestly, that should have just been like a Mr. Bean episode. <laughs> So just a female Mr. Bean. <laughs> you ruined the painting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what painting? I, I don't understand. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, oh, that one. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I hated it because it was pointless. <laughs> all this, all this one did was annoy the fuck out of me. Where it, <laughs> Midnight Mess was illogical and campy. The neat job was just dumb and unnecessary <laughs> and annoyed the fuck out of me. It's so. like two very uh, opposing extremes of how you could wind up in this fucking room. Yeah. <laughs> the next story uh, is an Indian story, uh, Dot Nut Feather. And 
<laughs> yes, we are making that distinction here on the show. We have to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> need to be clear. Yeah. East Indian. <laughs> uh, this is the 70s, remember? Yeah. Everybody was Indian. Yep. <laughs> yep. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, uh, basically, it focuses on this elderly magician and his, I assume, his aide, his stagehand and or wife, I guess. Stagehand, wife, lady friend. I, I mean, Whatever combination of things she is. It's unclear, uh, like, except for the fact that it... They're both into magic. They're both trying to get new magic tricks because they're old and they're trying to come up with new ways to surprise their audiences and themselves. And so the best way to do that is to tell a magician, a fellow magician, that he shit in front of his own fans. <laughs> so the story opens up. There's this Indian dude doing all these different magic tricks in front of an audience. And the main character walks up to him after his initial two performances and then calls out how all of his tricks are fake and then exposes them all in front of the audience. Now, I don't care (laughs) how many magicians out there reveal their tricks. None of them go to a magician with a live audience and (laughs) expose the tricks in front of the live audience. That would be career suicide for anyone and everyone. That's literally... Rule number one, you don't step on another man's act while it's in progress. <laughs> it's like, God what? damn it. What an ass. <laughs> and then it, it takes just kind of comical turns from here. Yeah. So he ruins this guy's act, and then there's this woman playing you know, whatever that flute instrument is you know, to make the, the snake rope rise. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... Uh, he goes into the hotel room, talks to his wife, how he's frustrated, they can't find a new trick or whatever, and then it just randomly jumps ahead to he's in some random alley in India, and he encounters the same woman from the the, the performance area, and she's making this magical rope rise, and she jumps up on the rope and climbs to the top of the rope, and then... Uh, climbs down and then makes it come down and return to the basket and he has to see her do it again he's trying to figure it out he can't figure it out clearly you know there's no strings there's nothing else causing this rope to rise and stay rigid enough for her to climb it and he decides this this rope trick doesn't make sense how it, it goes back into the thing there's nothing to there's nothing that goes rigid and there's nothing under the thing, so how the f- What's the trick? How do you do it? Yeah. How the fuck do you do that? <laughs> and so he's going crazy trying to figure it out, and so he hatches this plot that, you know, she won't, she won't let him buy it, she won't exchange it for anything, or teach him how to do the trick, nothing. Like, I would like to pay you for your entire act, please. Yeah, and- <laughs> So he comes up with this plan that he's going to pretend his wife is ill and can't come see the trick. And he's going to invite her, you know, he's going to pay her to come back to the hotel room. Why would you ever do that? Why would you ever go back to someone's hotel Some room? Creepy like old dude's <laughs> hotel room. I don't care if they say they have a wife. Like, she wasn't there when you asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she goes back to his room where she demonstrates the rope rising. 
and all the stuff and he's walking around her trying to figure it out and then he decides to stab her with a fucking sword <laughs> so he i don't know where he got the sword but he just appears with a sword and stabs her through the back it's like from out of nowhere and kills her with a fucking sword <laughs> Jeez. Runs her straight fucking through. Just had to make double sure she was dead. And then... And then he proceeds to figure out the trick. Not in a way that makes it make any more sense to him than it originally did. <laughs> like, this this guy manages to take this limp rope and the basket that it comes in and proceeds to play the flute and make the trick work. Yeah, which, like, hey, so he knows how to play this weird Indian flute instrument somehow? From okay. out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he somehow manages to not only play this flute decently well, but in a way that actually makes the rope trick work. He knows the song. He knows the yeah. song that she was he, playing. Yeah, he just he's, he he remembers the tune. Uh, and it's like, oh, if I play it, then it will rise. <laughs> and so it rises, and then his wife is excited. They throw the body in the closet, yeah. and the wife jumps on the rope and climbs to the top. However, once she gets to the top, she disappears! I think I learned that spell in D&D recently. Do tell. <laughs> now, uh, yeah. You see, when you get to level six of Bard, there's this thing called additional magical secrets, where you can just pick up a spell from like any class. One of which is rope trick, which is described as follows. You summon a rope, you climb to the top of the rope, and you magically enter some extra dimensional space that no one can see into, but you can see out of. That is what fucking happened here. Someone cast a fucking got it from. Someone cast a fucking D&D 5th edition spell <laughs> back in the fucking 70s. <laughs> yeah. So the wife disappears and then he notices blood appearing on the ceiling where she disappeared. It's like What? <laughs> what? I I'm pretty sure the last time we saw someone climb to the top of the rope they didn't fucking disappear. And then he is viciously beaten to death by a magical rope. <laughs> and probably the most ridiculous movie scene I've ever watched. And it, I watched Batman 1966. If you thought a man being outed as a, a real boy amongst a bunch of vampires in a vampire-only restaurant and then put on tap via the carotid, was campy. <laughs> Watch a man lose a fight against a goddamn rope. Yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal to watch. <laughs> the it's... rope literally whipping itself at him. Yeah. And eventually it wraps around his neck and basically hangs him in midair and kills him. Only and... to re reveal much later that the woman he killed was alive. <laughs> yeah, and so it, it jumps forward to the same Indian ma magician doing his tricks for a little audience there. And in the background in the window, you can see him hanging. So I guess the hotel was right there, but, you know, I, convenient. <laughs> and then it reveals that the woman that had been stabbed with a sword is alive and well and playing her flute. Moral of this story, don't 
try to buy someone else's magic. And if you do, definitely don't shit on their buddy's <laughs> magic <laughs> performance in the in front of his audience. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, so, what kind of magic man are you? Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But he only killed one person, so he's, I guess he's slightly less bad than the previous person. Uh, n- technically, he didn't kill anyone. <laughs> Well, I guess she is alive. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. The, the intent was there. Yeah. But uh it, yeah, no, he's he's the he's the one that dies that we can see whatever the fuck happened to his wife, mistress, uh, special lady friend, yeah. stagehand. Like uh, I don't know. <laughs> and so this is followed up by Bargain in Death, which is based on the Tales from the Crypt issue number 28 story um this one is basically where a gentleman has conceived of this insurance scam to collect on his life insurance where his buddy is named the beneficiary and he is going to use this drug to stop his heart temporarily and make it appear as if he is dead and then his buddy after he's been buried is going to come and dig him up and they will both ride into the moon set with the cash in hand. Right. All right, the story I had so many issues with (laughs) from the beginning. A, when you die, they usually embalm you or something. We were reminded of this in the movie Tales from the Crypt. So why would you not think of this? (laughs) It's like if the same writer worked on the first one, worked on this one. How would they not have gone out of their way to either explain or correct yeah. this issue with this story? And when your death is a mystery, you just you're a healthy gentleman who drops dead for no apparent reason, they usually perform an autopsy. Yeah, yes. Which means they, cutting you fucking open. Yeah, cutting you open and then again embalming you. <laughs> they don't just throw your ass in a box and bury you that's no one does that (laughs) make sure to have me buried in less than 24 hours by who (laughs) so yeah it's ridiculous and he had a headstone and everything that was fast he he had a headstone a proper casket and like a proper burial that in everything (laughs) and somehow he didn't get autopsied investigated for his death or embalmed, like and then, any person handling a dead body for burial yeah, would. Especially in the 70s. Right. <laughs> and then my next big problem, you know, maybe he was Jewish. I don't know. Yeah. Jewish people don't embalm. I get it. <laughs> they, I feel like there's usually a little bit more of a process than that. Uh, something. Anything. <laughs> so uh, the next point I have an issue with is why would you trust anybody? <laughs> That is going to receive all of your money <laughs> to dig you back up and not just leave you to die underground without anybody knowing. Why would they cut their money in half, especially somebody who's willing to commit insurance fraud on your behalf? <laughs> like if you're willing to collect someone's insurance money, especially when they're not actually dead, you're most likely willing to run off with that money because, well, the it's signed out to you, so like, what the fuck is anyone gonna do when yeah. it comes to, like, actually arguing for their fucking money? That's... Oh, my God. It Also, the kind of person 
that would do that would probably also run under the auspices that if this person actually survives me leaving them six feet under, they're probably going to try to fucking kill me and take their fucking money. Yeah, (laughs) probably. So, uh, you know, just from a conceptual point, I have issues with this entire story. I have issues with the gentleman who is taking said money and leaving him to die taking the route that goes past the fucking cemetery. If anything, you want to drive away anywhere but there. Why would you want to be reminded? (laughs) He just driving by and laughing, saying, (laughs) I have all of your money, ass. Oh, shit. Yeah, so that didn't make any fucking sense. And then the whole side story with the the two, I guess, students that want to cut open a body and learn how it works. And so they're paying. I guess if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it to our teacher. Yeah. So they're paying this grave digger to dig up the body so they can get the body and cut it up and two two guys things out. Literally named Tom and Jerry for this one. <laughs> <laughs> like of all the names you could have given them. Yeah. So it's just that that whole part is completely unnecessary because it would be just as scary if he just died buried alive. Yeah, that's that, literally that's where that story... That's scarier to me than somebody hitting you in the head with a fucking shovel. <laughs> uh, yes. It's like, oh no, I finally made it out, and oh my god, I scared everyone by seeming like I came back from the dead. Uh, y- yes, if someone digs you out, <laughs> it's very likely that they're going to reflexively kill you because, well, the concept of zombies isn't even a new thing at this point in history. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> I, I I don't understand why any of this is happening the way it's happening. I don't understand why the guy that's at the the main table with the other group of bad people is the guy who didn't kill somebody or attempt to kill somebody. <laughs> why isn't the guy that committed the insurance fraud and is running away instead of burying or digging up his buddy? Why isn't he at the table? Because he tried to kill a dude and is getting all the money. He seems like a far worse individual. <laughs> but, and, you know. Yeah, the the more we go on, the more we realize that... God, there are so many fucking characters in the story that belong around this table alongside with yeah. the people that they killed. Or, and, you know, almost survived escaping <laughs> from. Yeah, so as we alluded to... These, you know, aspiring doctors go with this grave digger to dig up this body. He digs up the body. However, when he opens the casket, the guy jumps up, you know, frightened, you know, glad that somebody had brought him back. The two doctors, aspiring doctors, freak out and run. They run out into the road. The guy is driving by the fucking cemetery. His buddy, who stole his money and left him for dead, uh, sees the guys and runs off the road and crashes and dies. Now, this is how I knew it was the, a different director because we didn't get a long crash <laughs> sequence like we did in Tales from the Crypt that yeah. he showed twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like the man mercifully showed the crash only once, but it was uh, f- it was quite the crash in that it's like, oh, it's here and then it's done. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it was it quick. Was very, very quick. Yeah, And then, you know, the doctors go back to the grave digger and the grave digger goes, yeah, sorry about the head, but your body's here. And it shows the guy with a big piece of the shovel on his head. So basically the grave digger, when he popped up, was either frightened or intentionally killed him <laughs> on the spot. Either way, he's dead. 
The moral of this story being, be careful what you conspire to do with people because you might end up the thing that you pretended to be in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I get the idea, but how we got there is just... (laughs) just awful this is like too many steps it's just terrible like you really you literally could have just led up to the story of him being buried and just watched him slowly suffocate from lighting half of his air on fire because the man lighting matches to test his air supply well you know what that does it burns your fucking oxygen you (laughs) idiot what are you fucking doing you're smart enough to inject this drug and stop your heart temporarily but you're not smart enough to know that Fire burns oxygen. <laughs> Fire burns oxygen. It also probably burns wood. So maybe I don't know. Don't light a match inside the big fucking wooden box you've cr- trapped yourself in. Go oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty bad. This, this story was dumb. <laughs> and that oh brings god. us <laughs> painfully <laughs> to our final story. Uh, this one is apparently in Haiti, although it was not clear <laughs> when we were watching where the fuck he was. See, when I was talking about uh, getting pretty goofy into the supernatural unnecessarily, um, I did not think that we were going to go this fucking far into the goofy supernatural bullshit. Yeah, this one was definitely the goofiest. <laughs> That being said, it was probably the one I liked the most. Yeah. But that's not saying much. (laughs) It's not saying much. Raising the bar an inch up off the ground is not a good standard to make. (laughs) So basically, we have evil Bob Ross, (laughs) who is living in Haiti, apparently. I'm just seeing this on the synopsis. It was Uh, never indicated that we were in Haiti. Yeah. It seemed like we were in some vague African country. Yeah, it wasn't explicit, although I I suppose by the time we get to the supernatural element, we probably could have made that guess. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) basically what happens is this painter, he's very bitter. He's living tropically in this little hut, and uh, a a buddy of his shows up and tells him that a painting he had sold to an art investor sold it for thousands of pounds in London. And this makes him very angry, apparently, because he feels that he was ripped off and that the guy didn't pay him enough for what he made on the back end of things. It's like, what do you mean? You, You sold it for that much. I... I'm getting nothing from this. <laughs> yeah. And so he decides the only solution is to buy some voodoo. I'll buy one voodoo, please. <laughs> <laughs> so he he goes to this hut where there's some kind of, you know, shaman. It was fucking... pr- probably the one black person that was in London in, in 1973. <laughs> we had to buy someone to get it, make it believable. <laughs> like you, uh, look, I- I'm going to need you to dress up in this for like 10 minutes. Bear with us. We might have a couple of takes. I get it. Everyone, please try not to laugh. We need to get through this shot. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes into this mysterious hut. Again, at this point, we don't even know he's angry. We just... He's just going to this place for some reason. This man just seems at a loss, and he doesn't really... 
spend much time explaining why he's so upset. It, like it, we don't learn exactly why he's so upset until he actually proceeds to purchase his one voodoo. <laughs> he says, "I want to purchase a voodoo." <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> okay, he he buys voodoo <laughs> under the idea that. Uh, Oh, uh, you voodoo people! You 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 have the dolls and you poke the people that you hate, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's educated on uh, the like the way that this voodoo works is okay. We're going to imbue the thing that you are uh, known for, the thing that you are like your your source of talent. We're going to give that its magical power. Right after you stick it in a boiling pot that I have cooking over here. Yeah. So he tells him that in order to acquire the voodoo to get his revenge, he needs to stick his hand in this boiling hot water, which he hesitantly does and then discovers it doesn't hurt him. Like, hmm. Okay, I know it's boiling, but my hand is is fine. Is Is this magic? Yeah, and so, <laughs> so he says, should should have taught the magician in the other episode that uh, trick. She, uh, yeah, oh my god. So <laughs> he could have, yeah, I don't know. He asked drawn for, his way out of that rope. Yeah. <laughs> so he asks for the the voodoo doll to do his thing, and the guy says, uh, "You're an artist. You already have the power you need, or blah blah blah, and your ability to create art." And he leaves his payment and walks out the hut, and that's the end of that. So he's back in his little hut painting, and he paints this pot, and then he drops the painting, and the pot also drops and breaks. And he picks up a picture, a sketch of bread that he placed on the floor, and erases the corner of the bread, and then a mouse comes in and eats the corner of the bread that he erased. People, what you are witnessing is the birth of a (laughs) supervillain. It's basically the slowest version of death note ever (laughs) death painting yeah instead of just writing a name you have to draw their entire appearance (laughs) and then destroy it somehow (sighs) this thing would have been so much faster if he resorted to stick figures yeah so (laughs) the voodoo dolls of the art world it's rough (laughs) this whole thing is rough so he does the number one thing you don't do with voodoo. He, he tests it on himself. <laughs> so he paints this little streak of blood on his own face in the painting. And then later that night, there's a cut on his face and it proves that the painting works. Yeah, that's the... Well, the thing with that is the the painting of himself is already like mostly done. So as to whether or not it would have worked if he didn't complete his own picture, I'm not exactly certain, but I like I wouldn't have why? put that shit to the why, test. Why would you test it? Right. Oh, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and especially that way. Uh, right. Why would you harm yourself <laughs> to test it? Why not put a little bit of water on it or something? It's like, oh, I know how how I'll test it. I will take this picture of my face and I will draw... One red mark on my cheek, on my face, and we'll There's see if that ways works. To test this. <laughs> Draw your hand. Uh, okay, <laughs> put he, some lipstick. 
Here's the thing that's really fucking stupid about that. He already knows it works because it worked on the two things before his face. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you already test. Uh, Okay. Just logic. Out the window. It's like, okay, I'm going to draw a vase and my picture of the vase is going to fall and so is the vase. Okay, that works. Let me double check He's by an drawing. artiste, okay? L- he just needs to know that when he cuts the ear off the painting, it'll <laughs> come off his head. <laughs> All right. Let, let, let me draw this p- thing a toast, and then let me take an eraser and erase a convenient bite mark <laughs> <laughs> off the corner of this toast. And lo and behold, he places a piece of toast on the ground, and from out of nowhere... A rat comes by and eats exactly the portion of the toast that he erased. Yep. So we're two for two. Great job. But we got to make really sure. So I'm going to. There's more. (laughs) This is how I'm going to make absolutely sure that this voodoo magic isn't bullshit. I'm going to take my face. Off. No, I'm not going to take my face off. That's a wrong movie. Um, I'm going to take my face. I'm going to draw a red mark. And then... Oh, nothing's happening. I think I'll just uh, go to sleep and... Oh, my God, bad dreams. Oh, my God. The, the, the thing that I was cleaning up, the, the pottery that I proceeded to destroy with my first fucking test again <laughs> is also the thing that cut my face. Oh, I'm sure it's a coincidence. Fuck it. Let me test this one more time. Yeah, it's it's just all dumb. And so he decides, hey, I have this superpower. Let's go enact the plan. So instead of just killing the guy there <laughs> from the convenience of his tropical hut, he... Where no bu- one would suspect him of doing anything. He borrows money... <laughs> From his buddy to fly back to London so that he can confront these gentlemen and tell them he's going to kill them. Or I think he said, get revenge on all of you. Yeah, he said, get revenge when he saw all three of them. And then he goes back to his studio and paints each individual in his studio. He brought along his self-portrait, which he finished (laughs) conveniently, and put in a safe. And he begins to uh, hatch his plan. He pokes the eyes out of the first individual who's the art appraiser so that he can never appraise art again. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, it flashes to the guy and he's telling his wife very confidently that it's the 20th century and that's why he cheated on her. And she she throws acid in his face and burns his eyes. Uh, Then it goes to the second guy, the painter cuts off about the torso. It looked like he cut across the entire painting, not just the hands. Yeah, it was like it was yeah. definitely a midsection thing. If that anything, the guy should have been gutted to death. Uh, he he should have. Uh like he cuts across like bisecting this man in half and just angrily like rips out that bottom part. Like, Fuck you. Um <laughs> and then this guy proceeds to instruct his employees how to properly cut paper with that thing that everyone is scared of using because, oh my God, my hands! (laughs) (laughs) So he's showing his employee how to cut this paper and does the number one thing you don't do when you're cutting things with a giant blade, which is put your arms under the giant blade. Uh, Now, the blade comes down, but at no point 
does it indicate why the blade came down? He didn't lean on it. The other guy didn't lean on it. The blade just comes down and chops off his hands. But, you know, whatever. Magic. You know, suspension of disbelief. Okay, whatever. So Wait, he's this lost- isn't a shock suspense story. <laughs> <laughs> he's lost his hands, and the first guy's lost his eyesight. Now he's on to his final victim, which he wants to do personally. <laughs> so, again, dragging this out as long as he fucking possibly can. Yeah. He goes over to this guy's office, tells them to his face that you have two minutes to die, puts his watch on the desk, and the guy, obviously... <laughs> protecting himself pulls out a, a pistol yeah and aims it at the artist and the artist you know very nonchalantly says hey, it's okay i just wanted to show you this portrait shows him the portrait of himself and he goes for his pocket again saying you know if this was america he would have been shot by now oh yeah let's face it easily <laughs> but <laughs> he pulls out a pen out of his pocket and says it's just a pen just a pen and then he draws a little red dot on his forehead and then you see the guy fight his own hands as it turns his pistol on himself. <laughs> Having and, what I would assume is like a proto-evil dead moment. It's like, no, yeah. no, no, you're not going to, you're not going to get, oh no, I shot my, move your head out of the goddamn yeah. way. <laughs> shot himself in the forehead, which is really difficult. Like Ooh. he did it like this. Uh, so like you have to really torque your wrist. He, uh, if he did it like this, it'd make a lot more sense. But even if he had like pressed on the trigger with his thumb, that would have been easier. <laughs> There's like a, about a thousand different ways he could have more easily shot himself straight in the head with his own handgun. Yeah. So he shoots himself in the head again, just because he sold his artwork for a little more than what he expected. And no one says anything about a gun being fired <laughs> in the middle of the day. In London. In London. <laughs> so, yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so the guy is very satisfied with himself, leaves the painting, you know, as obvious incriminating evidence. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sure he put his signature on it. And then proceed- <laughs> <laughs> proceeds... <laughs> even think to think of that uh, uh, yes. yes a common thing that artists will do for like portraits and whatnot is leave their signature because you know that's how you know that it's their work <laughs> hilariously for that entire scenario he does have to run back but it's not even the prospect that he might have left the picture behind yeah it's all very stupid, <laughs> and so he the goes, entire the entire story all the way got yeah. d- goddamn down. It's so, so goddamn. St- oh, he realizes he's having trouble breathing, and he figures out it's because he's locked in a safe. His painting, his self portrait, is locked in the safe, and it has no air access, and so he's slowly suffocating to death. <laughs> and so he runs back to his hotel, he breaks out the combination, opens it, and suddenly he can breathe again. But, oh, no, I left my watch on the table, which is incriminating and somehow more incriminating than the fucking painting <laughs> that I drew a big red dot on the forehead of. God. And so, what? yeah, it's real <laughs> stupid. And so he then scrambles back to go retrieve the incriminating evidence. Meanwhile, there is a painter working above the apartment where he is staying, which for some reason has glass on the roof. 
and the painter is dangerously close to knocking off some paint thinner off and into the apartment directly onto said painting. And sure enough, as he's running through traffic to try to uh, get the incriminating evidence off the desk, he trips and falls in front of a truck. And just at that moment, the paint thinner uh, lands on his painting, causing the face to droop down. And he is run over by the truck, smashing his head in a comically bad (laughs) sequence um, that is very obviously fake. I didn't think I'd be reminded of who framed Roger Rabbit with this movie, <laughs> but the painting and the turpentine. The turpentine paint thinner killing him uh, by way of also smushing the shit out of his head underneath a goddamn truck wheel. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Wow. So <laughs> the, the one thing I liked in this entire movie... Mm-hmm. Probably the only thing <laughs> is that one scene where the paint is dripping down his face, being affected by the the paint thinner. Oh yeah, where it's drooping down, you can clearly see it's where he his head was smushed by the truck. <laughs> that was like one cool moment <laughs> in an abyss, an hour and a half <laughs> of just stupid <laughs> bullshit. It's so bad. <laughs> and so we cut back to the room where they're all having their drinks. And then they the elevator door flashes and opens up. And outside is a graveyard. And so, again, not even trying to fight it. They nope. all just walk out. Not unlike the last movie where they all just jump into the pit to hell. <laughs> even though the one guy didn't do any fucking thing wrong. <laughs> hey, man, life isn't fair. <laughs> it's awful. He's tortured to death, brought back alive with a balming fluid chopped up by his wife. And then I'll never get over that. And then condemned to hell. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, the moral of that story was never entrust yourself to lady luck. <laughs> <laughs> don't trust your wife if she's stupid uh, that's what the moral of that stu- uh, story is y- y- yes also that one Jeez, the moral of these stories is uh, there, there's no moral nothing fucking matters like vampires voodoo yeah. <laughs> I would like to buy a voodoo uh, I'll purchase one voodoo, please. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So they walk out to the cemetery, and they all start to disappear in the cemetery. And then the one guy is left behind, and he narrates that they must do this every night for all of eternity, where they have to meet in this room and share the evil deeds they have done. Which, again, you know, the one guy didn't really do all that much wrong, <laughs> you know. He just... <laughs> He tried to commit insurance fraud, and then his buddy want, left him to die. <laughs> like, his buddy should be in that room, not him. Right. Um, yeah. I find it funny that- The guy was just annoying yeah. and had a mental illness, and his wife smashed his head in with a hammer and chopped him up into a million pieces. Yeah, th- this movie featured two- Instead of, like, the first one featuring one unlucky asshole, <laughs> uh, this one featured two- uh, one being unlucky and that, well, we really weren't uh, all that aware of OCD and its true nature. So, well, yeah, we're, he's just a neat freak who drives people nuts. Yeah. Uh, the other one being, look, man, I'm just trying to collect my own fucking insurance policy. It's like, what the fuck is the point of an insurance policy if I can't fucking collect it on 
on myself. <laughs> I just I want it. I want it so bad, and yeah. oh my god, I I'm stuck in this box. <laughs> so yeah, it, the movie's not good. No, it's not good. No. If you want to watch one of these films, watch Tales from the Crypt. It's yes. actually pretty good. Yes, it, it holds uh, up. It's fun. You know, there's a little bit of a little bit of silliness to it, but it works. Yeah, it, 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 it is it genuinely scary better. in several yeah. segments and has some real moments of suspense. This one is just campy and stupid and doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, the acting's not particularly good. The writing's not particularly good. Um, and let's face it, that 70s aesthetic is <laughs> went from like a 2 all the way up to 11. And it's just horrible to look at. It's horrible to listen to. Nothing about it works. The editing is terrible. It's just... <laughs> yeah, it was... This entire movie sucks. Ugh. So I would not recommend Vault of Horror. Uh, I want to give it an F, but I'm going to be nice and give it a D minus. I'm giving it an F, <laughs> straight right. up. So we got an F and a D minus. I'll be generous and round to a D minus. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to give it an F minus minus. F minus minus, you say. Okay, yep. so we'll round that to an F. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is a fucking fail. Oh, my fucking God. Oh. All right, so there we have it. <laughs> a rating of an F. <laughs> it is the worst movie on the comic movie master list so far. <laughs> um, uh, we'll see about that when we get to Batman v Superman. <laughs> it's not that bad. It is nowhere near as bad as this movie. Come on, oh, come on now. Yeah. Justice League was worse. It was. Well, then again, we had Jesse Eisenberg. Oh. oh, I take it back. <laughs> so, I take it all back. Yep. Uh, Jesse so, Eisenberg putting Jolly Ranchers into people's oh mouths. God, it's so bad. And, you know, planting jars ding, of ding, pee. Ding, 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 ding. He's coming. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, I hate it. Oh, my God. I'll never forgive Jesse Eisenberg for doing that role. It may not be his fault, but I don't care. <laughs> His career is over to me. I don't want to see him in anything. 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 <laughs> but uh, he ruined that and he ruined magic for me. Yeah. What, like, what kind of hell world are we in where the sequel to Now You See Me is Now You See Me 2? <laughs> like, how is it Now You Don't? Not Now You Don't. For fuck's wasted, sake. Wasted opportunity. Ugh. Poor Woody Harrelson. Poor... Wasted Woody Harrelson. Actually, that movie probably would have made more sense if he was wasted, because I don't know why someone as talented as him would be donating his time to that project. Oh, <sighs> man. So you get to look forward to him as carnage. Just to, rec <laughs> just to recap <laughs> our rating so far, Superman and the Mole Men averaged out to a D-plus rating. I gave it a C-minus. Emery gave it a D. Mm -hmm. uh, Batman 1966. I gave it a D rating. Emery was very generous. Gave it a B plus. It averaged out to a C plus. Mm -hmm. Tales from the Crypt is by far our best rated movie so far. I gave it a B. Emery gave it a C plus. Averaged out to a B minus. And then Vault of Horror is now the worst <laughs> movie from Comic Movie Master List uh, with a <laughs> D minus and an F minus. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> averaging out to an F. So, uh, 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 correction, it's supposed to be an F minus minus. I'm not doing an F minus minus. Because <laughs> then you have nowhere to go when Captain Marvel comes up. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Call back to our Captain Marvel review. I still stand behind that. I still stand behind it being a two. I don't give a fuck. You're, you're way too hard on it. It, uh, it wasn't good, but it, mm. was, it was not a two. Mm. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to it. Yeah, we will. We will get to we, it. We will fucking get to that movie. So uh, there we go. There you have it. F is the grade. <laughs> Do not go watch it unless you want to enjoy talking about the movie and having that experience and uh, joining us in the discussion. Again, comment on our YouTube channel. We're very good at responding. If you do, talk to us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, reach out to us on our Patreon. Reach out to us at hitthebooksvids at gmail.com. You can find links to all this stuff if you go to htbvids.com. Our Patreon's patreon.com forward slash hitthebooks. We're on Twitter at htbvids, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hitthebooks. You can find all of this stuff. Our next movie will be Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman! 1974, the movie. Now, if there was something that could have been made in the 70s that will never, ever die for as long as we live, uh, the, the 70s Wonder Woman. Oh, my fucking God. And boy, do I have a surprise for you. Oh. Do you know who stars the 1974 Wonder Woman? If it's not Linda Carter, it's an F. It's not. Oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Linda Carter actually stars in 19... Let me re- look at the date here. 1975's The New Original Wonder Woman. So... Who is not the original Wonder Woman? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I Okay. Yeah. It, it's one thing yeah. to have Wonder Woman, the movie... <laughs> Come out, 1974, and then to a year later, yeah. not just make another Wonder Woman movie, yep. but call it the new original Wonder Woman. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Immediately replacing the first Wonder Woman that we had. And of course, this is based on the DC Comics title of the same name, Wonder Woman. Yeah, so, Of course. It's not the Wonder Woman you think. It's not Linda Carter. It is a different actress. I don't feel like looking it up right now, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, it I is am, a different actress. I'm at the very least very curious for this movie. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So definitely look forward to that. Again, we're not doing a regular episode of the podcast this week because a lot of shops are still under quarantine and production has not resumed for Diamond. Diamond, I think, resumes production on the 21st. Now, DC is releasing a handful of issues to local comic book shops. So if they are open again in your state, and they are as of yesterday here in Ohio, Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of the shops are opening on the, the 12th. Some are waiting for the 15th. But go and support your comic book shops. They do have curbside services. They are helping you out. There are some new books from DC. 
but obviously the other stuff isn't coming until a little bit later. So you'll have to wait a little bit on that, but they still got plenty of back issues, which I'm sure they'd be happy to give you and sell you. I'm sure a lot of them sell other stuff like cards and uh, toys and statues and all sorts of stuff that you can indulge in and enjoy. So definitely go out and support your local comic book shops. Again, there won't be another episode of Hit the Books podcast this week because of that reason. And because of that reason, we'll probably do another comic movie master list next week instead of an episode. So definitely look forward to us reviewing 1974's Wonder Woman based on the DC Comics title. So, again, unfortunate, but we gave it an F for Vault of Horror 1973 based on the EC Comics title of the same name, even though all the stories are from Tales from the Crypt (laughs) and not Vault of Horror. Whereas Tales from the Crypt had two stories from Vault of Horror. <laughs> so. yeah, right. Uh, I think it was probably, for the sake of the brand, uh, the smartest move they could have made calling this movie Vault of Horror instead of Tales of the Crypt 2. Because yeah. to do that well in 72, only to fail that fucking hard in 73. Yeah, a, a year later. That had to be embarrassing. God. <laughs> But uh, I do want to thank you all for sticking with us. If you can contribute, please check out our Patreon. If you can't, that's okay. We're happy to have you, and we love you just as much. Just please give us a like, give us a subscribe, do anything in that regard to help us out to get to the thresholds we need to get to. Yep. Share, uh, tell your friends. To grow the, the... the show and uh expand it to other franchises we have you know hit the mats as a previous show we had on here we're trying to get it running again with a new crew um, but again it's a lot of time a lot of work a lot of editing and it really really does mean a lot to us if you uh can help us out even a little bit with just a like or a subscribe or if you are feeling generous with a patreon subscription or anything like that you can donate as little as a dollar or as much as you want and there are tiers where you can take advantage of it i know will beasley a patreon in the past uh took advantage of the executive producer level which is by no means expected <laughs> but very generous and so he got a uh, a volume based on his interests uh, that we recommended to him and gave as well as a thank you letter and some other knickknacks and uh thank you gifts so uh heather reap was has been a long time contributor thank you heather reap you've been awesome we really appreciate it so again um there's several tiers you get shout outs you get thank yous you get gifts if you go high enough all the stuff so definitely take advantage of that if you're feeling generous because it really does help us keep the show going and really does motivate us to want to do more um so once again thank you very much for sticking with us for another episode of comic movie masterless we will see you again next week for wonder woman 1974 goodbye Wonder Woman!